All right, Wiz Kids, we're back here for a special podcast of Off the Bench. Jamoke Davis here with Chris Gary and Jeremy Hyman. And joining us now, a Washington Wizards alum and probably the single greatest ever Duke player, maybe greatest ever, I would say. And Christian Leitner is joining us here on the podcast. We're very uh, thankful for you taking some time to spend it with us and Enjoy our great podcast, and I feel like it's blowing up this season. We've had a really good time with it, had some great guests, and now we have maybe the greatest college basketball player joining us. Um, so, Christian, thank you again for being here. My first question is the fact that you went from being the greatest basketball player to fishing for a musky fish. How did that come about? Where did you get into fishing? And if you can explain for our uh, listeners, what is, what do you do as a fisherman? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. I love doing it. Any chance, anytime I get to do something with the Wizards, I love doing it. And Rebecca Wynn stays in good contact with me and keeps bringing me up. And so it's a lot of fun. So thanks for having me. And... Um, how did I get into musky fishing? That happened when I played in Minnesota for three and a half years. Uh, the old strength coach for the Timberwolves, a buddy of mine, his name's Saul Brandis, he was the Timberwolves strength coach for about 25 years. And when I was there from 92 to 95, he was my strength coach. So, you know, in the summertime, we'd lift hard, work out hard, and after the lifts, he'd say, let's go play golf sometime. So, <laughs> you know, a lot of basketball players do that. They, they hit the weight room real hard in the summer, and then they go play golf. Well, after three years of lifting with me and getting to know me, he thought that, hey, you might like this thing that I do called musky fishing. So I was like, what's that? And So he took me up to northern Minnesota to some big lakes up there, and the muskie is just the biggest, baddest fish in freshwater. It's it's the biggest, it's the fish. it's the shark of the freshwater. It's the lion of the freshwater, and it's just the funnest thing for me to fish. They're very challenging. It's not like catching bass. Um, you know, anyone could catch bass, but muskies are more challenging. There's less of them. They're bigger. They're stronger. So I got plenty of pictures to show you guys. But <laughs> it's just. The funnest fishing I've ever done. Um, I grew up fishing. I grew up in Buffalo, New York, mm -hmm. next to a creek and a pond, so I grew up fishing. My dad used to take me out in the 16-foot alumina, aluminum boat on Lake Erie, and we'd go catch perch and eat them. And every once in a while, he'd tell me about a big muskie that would come and steal his perch. So when I got older <laughs> and I was an adult and Saul took me up to the Lake of the Woods in northern Minnesota, I just fell in love with it. But it's not only the fishing it's it's being outside and yeah i'm an outdoors person i love hunting i love fishing i love snowboarding all those things so i'm a very outdoor person now i looked on wikipedia the largest musky fit caught that i caught 67 pounds <laughs> it was 67 pounds in hayward wisconsin have you caught a musky fish close to that not Wait. that many pounds that's about a 65 incher i've caught a 55 incher so um you know, a huge fish, and my son is 11 years old now, and hey. I, I've gotten him into it, and He's he loves musky fishing. And um, last year he caught a 46 incher, what? but we didn't, but we didn't get in the it, in the net, and we didn't get any pictures with it because a buddy of mine did a bad net job. But oh. um, <laughs> so it, it's awesome to <laughs> it's awesome to do something that I love um, with my son. 
I love basketball and I do that with my son. I love music and the guitar and I do that with my son. Oh, and fair. I love musky fishing, so I do that with yeah. my son also. It's like grumpy old men with like they dig the hole in the ice. And, no, and get the no, not, not like not that. Like that. <laughs> not like, not that. like that. Okay, but I'm glad you have fun. Okay, um, so you said you play. You have a lot of other hobbies, but obviously everybody knows you for the game of basketball. We'll start with what's going on now and work our way back. Talking about the NCAA tournament, it just happened. Uh, do you fill out any kind of bracket with either your former teammates at Duke or just friends in general? And do you have Duke winning it all? You know, I don't f- fill out a bracket anymore. When I was in the NBA, we used to pass one around the locker room. Um, but I don't do it now. It's just I'm too busy and it goes by so fast. I'd rather sit and watch the games. Um, yeah. Do I write Duke all the way in? You know, yes, I do every year. <laughs> every year, it doesn't matter how they're doing or who they're playing. I just put Duke, you know, from the first round all the way to the, all the way to the championship game. And you know, I did the same thing when I was there playing. I, I expected us to do well. Mm-hmm. I wanted us to do well. I had confidence in us that we would do well. So it's the same thing now. Twenty five years later, I just. I have the ultimate confidence in Coach K and the team, and I think they're going to play their best basketball now in March, and hopefully they'll make it to the Final Four because I'll be there. Excellent. And we know we're on audio here, but for our listeners, Christian and his son both came in in all Duke blue because <laughs> we know blue. we know the uh, it's this time of year, so the Duke is well represented here. Um, but do you, so you you still follow the team? It sounds like pretty closely. Do you still? Do you still go down there and talk with either the players or with Coach K? Do you ever talk with the team, or are you just sort of a spectator now? I go to Duke a lot now because I have a a daughter, Sophie, who's a freshman at Duke. Oh, I've I've been there three times already this year. I was at the Carolina game at Duke. And, no, I don't go talk to the players or in the locker room or anything. Um, I will stop Coach K and say hello for a minute. But besides that, I leave him alone and I leave the team alone and he's got his own things to worry about. So um, I'm always pulling for him. I always want them to do good. I've been up to Duke three times already this year because my daughter's there. But um, it's just the same as when I played there. I want them to do. I just want them to do great all the time. They have to know who you are, though, right? Jason Tatum, Grayson Allen, right? No, they definitely know who I am, but, you know. They you are care. like, hey, I'm Christian Leitner. Um, I'm like, the best he, player ever to play 50 here. 50 years old. They don't. They barely <laughs> even know about old. me. But uh, <laughs> Coach K has to remind them a little bit. But um, it's so much fun going back there. And now that my daughter's there, it's even more fun. What's the, What's the difference like now having a like now having you know your daughter there? Is it Is it a different thing now having you know excitement that she's there and getting to experience a school that you got to. You know, obviously that you're a huge part of and people know about you there, but um, what's the difference now? Like just going back there as a parent of a, of a student as opposed to, you know, somebody who's obviously a, a big figure on campus already. It just brings me back to them a little closer because uh, she's there, so I got to go there more. And so my connection is even stronger than it used to be. You know, it's been 25 years, so your connection might fade away a little bit. But now that my daughter's there, it just brings it back full circle, and she giggles when I'm there with her, and it's just so much fun. And 
She was a little overwhelmed in September, her first, you know, her first month there, but she got caught she up to speed. She changed her last name, right? So nobody's <laughs> she like changed her last name, <laughs> and, um, you know, I was just there two weeks ago, and it's every time I'm on campus, it's awesome. Do you, go ahead. Do you stick around? Like, do you check in on, on, on the hoops every time you're there, or is it, is it refreshing sometimes to go back and just, you know, have a different relationship with the school now that, you know, you're a parent and, and you get to, like... You know, just be on you know it's funny like that you and all that right stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny that you said it that way because it is different now that I have you know a daughter there a child there that's a student so yes it's a different type of connection like I said more connected right and mm-hmm. um, I go over to the basketball office to say hello and to let them see me but besides that they got a million things to tackle so I leave them alone a little Definitely. bit what do you think of the players because from my perspective I also grew up watching you um, and I feel like you were in many ways the most loved and sometimes the most hated player. Now you have a player like that in Grayson Allen. Um, and then you have another talented player in Jason Tatum. Talk about that team. Luke Kennard all of yeah. a sudden is playing well in the ACC tournament. A lot of, a lot of talented players on that yeah. team this year. What do you think yeah. of those new guys? They're doing great. You know, what happened was exactly what everyone knew what was going to happen. They were, they're extremely loaded. But everyone, else, everyone was hurt at the beginning of the year. I mean, Giles still is not up to speed. So Tatum finally got up to speed, and then Grayson had, you know, missed a game. And so there's been a lot of ups and downs, but they're playing their best basketball now for sure. They had a great ACC tournament. And um, they're going to be loaded every year. It's just <laughs> whether they're healthy or not. And they weren't healthy. And the thing that's sad to see is that as soon as they have a bad half or a bad quarter or someone has one bad game, you know, on social media, everyone starts killing them, you know. Yeah. Man. What would you have done if you had social media? If social media was around, you know, when I was playing, you know, they would have made me sound like a bum um, (laughs) after one game. And and that's not fair. I don't like to see that. But that's what people do. Yeah. And um, even on the Duke basketball social people kill duke and so it's shocking but um it's part of life now yeah we had um we had uh daniel ochef who's on the team now they won the national championship with villanova um obviously that was an iconic shot uh with chris jenkins hitting that three to win the game your shot uh, versus kentucky is probably the most iconic shot of all time in college basketball. It's replayed over and over. How many times, I'm talking to you, Sunday, how many times do you watch your dad's ultimate shot? And for you, Christian, now now we got all kinds of people coming in here, bringing him gifts. Brandon, <laughs> Brandon Putnam's bringing them gifts in the middle of our podcast. Thanks, Thank thanks. You. Just put everything down. There we go, stance socks. Do you ever get tired of looking at your shot? Or do you maybe, wherever you are, you stop everybody to watch it. Like, watch this. This is great. This is me. <laughs> you think that's what I do? I would hope that that's what I would <laughs> no, do. No, that's not at all what I do. That's the last thing I do. I, I turn away from the screen or maybe even walk out of the room. But um, I don't. that's just an act. Okay. Do I really okay. love seeing it? Yes, I love seeing it. It's something that will never go down or be taken away. But... I try to act like I'm not focusing in on it, but um, <laughs> at the same time, it tickles me pink and just very, very proud every time it's on the screen, every time they talk about it. Um, you know, the only thing that is a little bit of a pain in the rear end is everyone wants to talk to you about it. So, and yeah, I, and I, and, I, and I love talking about it, but sometimes people have to understand that 
you know, I have things to do too, and I might have to go <laughs> go to the grocery store, pick up my children, and, and they always want to stop They're and talk like, about. He's it. ten for ten picking up eggs. <laughs> it's perfect from the field. Yeah, but that's why I was. You know, when people think Christian Leitner, it's like everyone thinks of that shot. And I was going to ask, do you get tired because you have this great college career and NBA career? I mean, you have this whole body of work, and people. It is just kind of the first thing everyone asks is talk about the the game-winning shot which was obviously memorable yeah what you're asking is does it feel bad that they dwindle down your whole career yeah. to yeah. one <laughs> to one yes, to one yes. thing in one instant well yes. you know you don't like to see that happen but at least it dwindles down to a positive thing you know a good True. play something that yeah. people will remember so you don't mind it. I don't get tired of talking about it. Um, I can see people get frustrated if I don't stop what I'm doing and talk to them about it a little bit. But I, um, sometimes I'm busy also. But anytime it's brought up, I love it. Anytime it's shown, I smile. Um, and then I try to walk away as fast as I can so no one, so no one asks me about it. That's obviously like the defining moment or a, or a defining moment. But, but outside of that, like Jeremy was saying, like, an incredible career at Duke, a long NBA career, at maybe at Duke since we're here in March, and in the NBA too. What's like a what's a moment outside of that that has stuck with you? Maybe with Coach K or your teammates at Duke, or you know interacting with the students at Duke. What like what outside of that shot sticks with you the most? Well, I don't dwindle down my whole career. <laughs> that's right. That's what I was going to say. So, we'll give you the chance to you know. So I look back and and am fond of every second of every moment I played in the NBA and in, at Duke. Um, many people would love to play at Duke for Coach K, and, and I enjoyed it and appreciated it more than anyone. A lot of people would love to play in the NBA, and I enjoyed every second of it. Mm-hmm. I wish when he was born in 2006, I stopped playing. And in hindsight, I should have played for two or three more years. But I wanted to I wanted to be with him every day of his life because I missed um, my daughters, wow. you know, growing up a little bit. I missed half of their first six years of their life. So when I had a son, I said I want to be there all the time. But in hindsight, I should have played two or three more years because it's just too much fun. It's the highest level. You're traveling five star. Everything's five star. And it's yeah. just... It's, no kidding. Yeah. And the last... You know, year or two of my career would have been just like getting paid to stay in shape. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even have played that much. I would have been more like a practice person, a locker room person, maybe a, a crafty old veteran to help the younger kids a little. And I should have done it. It was a, a bad mistake. But when you're 35 and your body's sore and your back hurts, and then you're going to have a little boy, and you know his mother saying, "Stay home with the," you know, <laughs> it, it was hard to say. It was hard to keep playing but in hindsight I should have because it's just the best life playing in the NBA as an NBA basketball player is the best life in the world okay so a 30 for 30 came out the title I hate Christian Leitner who's the first person you call to say yes this is great or calling ESPN to say dude why'd you have to go with that title I immediately called Roy Karp Roy Karp the uh, you know the filmmaker and the producer Mm mm-hmm and I said, what are you guys doing? He goes, Christian, ESPN's going to go with that title whether you approve it or not. So, <laughs> you know, so I was kind of stuck. I couldn't do anything about it. So the first thing I did was I called my parents. 
And my dad didn't like it, you know. My yeah. dad's like, they, they should name it the best player at Duke, you know, something like that. And then my mom said, don't worry about it. It's just, it's for hype. Yeah. And for, you know, they got to make it provocative. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people who out there out there who aren't going to watch it if it just says, you know, Leitner's the greatest, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, no one who hates Duke is going to watch that. So, <laughs> so I understand what it is. Does it feel bad to be a pawn and have things said about you? You know, that that's not fun. Yeah. But I realize the provocative nature of the business, the provocative nature of the title, and I think it did its job because a lot of people watched it. Uh, just not Duke lovers watched right, it. Right. Uh, people right. who even don't like Duke watched it. And that's that's the main thing you, you want is you want wide coverage. And the thing is, is sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Well, on the flip side of that, obviously, is like you know that title is, and, and we know we all know the fans that that hate Christian Leitner. But the flip side is, you know, playing for a school like Duke, you obviously know that there's mm-hmm. also a huge passionate fan base that's that's behind you too, and um, you know that has to be kind of like the, I guess the redeeming yeah. factor, right? Is that like <laughs> that's the redeeming factor? And yes, as an athlete, you only care if your home fans love you, right? Um, you should kind of expect the opposing fans to not like you because you're trying to beat them or you're beating them twice a year or they can never beat you and they get mad, you know what I mean? So would I like to have more universal like out there for me? Sure. But I think part of it is because when I was at Duke, they just people just knew they couldn't beat us. Oh, um, man. And... And that'll make people hate you. <laughs> but, um, that's right. You know, and then going to the Final Four four straight years in a row, people yeah. saw my mug on the TV four straight years in a row at the Final Four. You, you could get tired of that unless you're my parents. Right. <laughs> unless you're my sure. yeah. And that's something that doesn't happen, too. I mean, you know, thinking about like my lifetime watching the NCAA tournament, I mean, the run that you guys had, I've, you know, I'm not that old, but I, I, have never seen a run then like like that no. in my yeah, lifetime. Yeah, it'll never happen again it's because like the kids now. leave. The kids leave. The right. kids leave early. Yeah. Um, you know, if Kevin Garnett went to college for four years, he, yeah, right. I'm sure, yeah. if Shaq, you know, sure. stayed, he probably would have went to. Her. But you know, it just won't happen anymore. And it only happened at Duke because we all stayed, and because Bobby was so good, and Grant was so good, and mm-hmm. Coach K was so good, and. Brian Davis. It only happens. It only happens from coming from a good team. It doesn't come from me. It doesn't come from me being a really good player. It comes from a good team, and we were a great team. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you mentioned Shaq. If we can fast forward some, uh, what was your favorite moment from being a part of that dream team in 1992? And maybe if you can share with us something that was unexpected from just being a part of that, especially you being the only college player. I know that had to be tough, and yet at the same time, it's probably, to me, in my eyes, one of the greatest experiences to begin your Mm -hmm. next phase. It was a huge um, honor just to be on that team. Uh, You know, people are always criticizing, saying, Leitner shouldn't have been on that. Like, I don't even think I should have been on that team, really. now, did I deserve to be on that team? Maybe because I put in a lot of time with the U.S. national teams like the summer before and the summer before that and the summer before that. So they honored my commitment. 
mm-hmm. I think they honored a little bit that we won back to back and maybe I was the best player on the team blah 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 but yeah should have Sha- Shaq should have been on that team Alonzo Mourning should have been on that team probably before me but I had made a big commitment to USA basketball for the three or four years before then so I think they honored that a little bit and then the coolest thing about being on that team for me was that I got to play one-on-one against all those guys. I mean, when I was 14 years old trying to get into the NBA or be a really good (laughs) basketball player, I I used to watch Bird and Magic and Jordan and Mullen and all those players. And then when I was on the team in 92 with them, I got to play one-on-one. So that was awesome. How many games did you win? I won no games. But... um, (laughs) I played every one of them, and it was awesome. And then the the unexpected thing uh, that you asked about was, in a way, they were just like, you know, 20-year-old guys on the playground, you know, Mm -hmm. at the playground downtown, in the sense that they were all kind of warm and nice to me and socially acceptable to me at the beginning. But they were all kind of uh, hesitant until the first practice. And then after the first practice, once they saw that I was a regular guy and I could take a bump and I wasn't going to complain or cry too much, then they accepted me a little bit. So it was just like pick a ball when you're 20 years old. No one knows if you're tough enough or good enough. And then after the first game, they know that you can play and stuff like that. So it was the same situation with those best players in the world. They... They just wanted to see that I wasn't a prima donna. They wanted to see that if Patrick Ewing elbowed me in the face, that I wouldn't cry too much, and and I didn't. <laughs> so after that first practice, they were very good to me, very warm, very accepting. Was it was it eye opening? I mean, Duke's obviously a huge program, and it's the spotlight. But to be with you know these international celebrities like that was that sort of your first eye opening experience in that in that sort of landscape. Um, the most eye-opening thing was on the court and how how fast they were up and down the court and how fast Pippen and Jordan went from offense to defense and and how much defense they played. People people like to think and say that NBA players don't play hard or they don't play defense. It's not that they don't play hard or they don't play defense. It's just that they make it look so easy and that it's effortless and there's no wasted movement. Mm. Um, you know, go tell... John Wall and Beal that they're not playing every hard night, you know, every night hard. They are. Mm-hmm. It's just that pro players make it look easy. There's no wasted movement. They're very efficient. So what really impressed me going from the top of the college game to right to that dream team is that how much faster they were in transition, how much faster they were from offense to defense, defense to offense, and then how much defense they played mm-hmm. because Pippen plays a lot of defense. Jordan plays a lot of defense. Is it – is it like a, a small club, though? Because, you know, with your teammates, like you mentioned Bobby Hurley, you know, Grant Hill from that college, from your college days, and then that pro day, just having those guys, do you even stay in touch with them? Do you all share memories or have any kind of reunions? Or that was just a one-off and we went our separate ways? It's pretty much been a one-off. We've had maybe two get-togethers since 92. One was at, like, the maybe the – Hall of Fame induction or something like that up in Connecticut. Um, But it's been going mostly the separate ways. But, you know, the dream team was in 92, and then I played in the league for 13 years, and every 
time I saw someone, it was really special. Yeah. Whether whether it was Clyde Drexler in Portland or Chris Mullen in Golden State, and um, Drexler was great to me. Mullen was great to me. Barkley was great to me. They were all really good to me. But those three were really special. And then, like, so then when you see them in the NBA, and obviously you witnessed, pro- you know, probably the best collection of basketball players that will mm-hmm. ever play on the same team. Um, and then you get to the NBA where you know, it's 30 teams or however many that each of them run at that kind of a level, maybe not a dream team kind of a level, but going from the college game where you played at a high level to where every night in the NBA is, is that level. How long did that adjustment take for you? And maybe, you know, maybe the dream team experience helped you kind of ease into that. You know, you never adjusted to it. That was what being in the NBA was it was every game was a huge challenge and if you're not ready you're not going to have a good night and whether it's Buck Williams in Portland or Kevin Garnett in Minnesota or Shaq or geez Alonzo Mourning you know and that's the fun part about the NBA is that it doesn't matter how good you were in college it doesn't matter that you were on the dream team every night is a huge challenge and that's what makes the NBA so much fun is that you're playing against the best every night. And uh, when you're in your hotel room after the game, if you get 20 points and eight rebounds, you're gonna feel real good. So, um, did you when you were okay? You mentioned a first class travel. Did you mean at Duke or in the NBA? Like how similar was the travel and just being a star from I that met, level? I met in the NBA. <laughs> the, the tra- the, everything was five star in college. When I was in college. We were still uh, flying regular airlines. You know, okay. we didn't we didn't have our own personal private jet. But now the Duke team flies around. I think on a charter jet, just yeah. like NBA teams do. But now, when I was in college, we were flying around American Airlines and just like everyone else. But um, the NBA, there's nothing like it. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, yeah, we can like attest it. to that. I say <laughs> all three of us can <laughs> attest yeah, to how travel, that, to how that travel it's occasionally. Like first class seats for everybody. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite city in the NBA? <sighs> I had lots of favorite cities. There was maybe only one or two where there wasn't much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Sacramento. Oh, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. <laughs> I enjoyed them all, but I really like Portland, Seattle. Denver, anywhere where there's mountains and snow and colder weather. Cool. Um, I didn't like playing down in Miami too much, even though I was there for a year. Yeah. I'm just a northern boy. I think I like the four seasons a little more. So when I was in Minnesota and it was always cold, you know, you'd be happy to go down (laughs) to Florida or Texas a little bit. But you know what? Playing for the Timberwolves is tough. You have the most airtime in the league Mm -hmm. because they're in the Western Conference and yeah. But Milwaukee and Chicago are the two closest teams in the Eastern Conference. So Minnesota was tough because there's a lot of travel time. How about um, your from your, from your experience in the NBA to what you see today? Um, how, how closely are you following kind of what's going on with with the NBA game today? And obviously, the guys sort of of your generation, they the, a lot of the talk now is about. Are these guys, they need rest all the time. Uh, you know, they're complaining about these things. Do you ever talk to your kind of your guys about that? You know, the guys that you played with about the guys of today? and Or what, what are some of the things that you see, maybe the differences between your time and now? I do pay attention to the NBA very much now. And I think it's just part of evolution. Uh, 
the trainers and the players and the staffs and the front office, they're realizing that, um, hey, look at Michael Jordan. He's, he's limping now when he walks. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how old Jordan is, but when I saw him on the court the other night in North Carolina, he was limping. And a lot of old NBA players are limping, and a lot of old NBA players have bad hips. And it's not a surprise as to why. And I think as the training world and the physical therapy world and the the whole world gets smarter on we can't kill these guys 100 times a game, 100 games a year. Now, if you're me and you're only jumping four inches a game, you know, (laughs) you might not be limping when you're 50. But if you're Vince Carter or Michael Jordan, like Vince Carter is still playing and yeah, yeah. forty. Right, man. But when he's done. fifty-two, he is not going to be walking right. And um, one of the reasons I quit a year or two earlier, like I told you, is because I want to be able to stand up straight when I'm fifty-five. And there's a lot of old players out there that got bad, bad hips. So I think what you're talking about, and do the older players like me, you know, tease the younger players? Yeah. No, because I would have loved a day off too. Yeah. So, so I'm happy for the guys. I think it's just part of evolution and we're evolving and realizing that, God, a human body, 100 games in one year, can't take it. Let's give these guys some rest. And I don't mind it because I think everyone plays better when they skip a game or take a game off. So I don't mind if LeBron does it. I don't mind if some big, big players do it. But I know the NBA doesn't like it because right. they're all about selling tickets and who's right. going to go to a game if LeBron takes tonight off. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that just... It's because they – I don't have many complaints about the NBA, but one thing I don't like is that they, they glorify the individual star too much, the individual star. And people have to realize that Duke is not good because of Jason Tatum or Grayson Allen or Luke Kennard, not because of one player. It's, it's the combination of, of the whole team. So um, – who cares if LeBron takes a night off? You're still going to see the Cavaliers play, but not everyone feels that way. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Do you have – so you're talking about a team. You have Michael Jordan on a dream team, and then you played with him again in one in three of the seasons – or two of the seasons, excuse me, that you played here for the Wizards. What was the difference between the Jordan then, since you talked about him limping too, and the Jordan that you played with when you were with the Wizards? Well, when I was on the dream team with him in 92, he was absolutely without doubt, you know, one of the most dominant players on the planet, if not the most dominant. So that was in 92. But then when we were here in the Wizards in 2002, 2003 or whatever, he was still very, very good, but he wasn't the king of the Mm -hmm. basketball world. He could still give you 50, he could still give you 40. But he wasn't practicing every day because he was 40 years old. And he was still a legend, but he wasn't the king of the basketball world. So in 92, he was the king. And um, in 2002, he was still unbelievably good and so much fun to have on the team and the traveling circus and all that stuff. But not the same player 10 years later. No one is. Well, so you were here five years after the arena opened. What was D.C. like? then around here like i know you drive around here now see all the restaurants and new hotels there was like the one chinatown (laughs) restaurant (laughs) but then there was nothing practically nothing and tor and i were talking about it as we were walking over um 
it's just unbelievable the redevelopment and the buildup that they've done around here. And um, yes, I saw it in 2002, and it's <laughs> right around here. Like these 10 blocks is just crazy. It's just yeah. 50% different. Yeah, that's what everyone says that the because I've just been here the last six years since they really built up this area, and that's what everyone talks about how much it's just come along, kind of in the last. 15 20 years since yeah. they built the Verizon Center right here um, if I know you said you're fo closely following the NBA now how much have you been able to watch the Wizards this season um, obviously having a huge bounce back year from where they were a year ago but do you get to how to come to any games do you see them on TV have you gotten to see it um, kind of this run they've been on the last three months at all I was at a game because Becca brought me up nice. a few weeks ago, so that <laughs> was a lot of fun. It was when uh, West yeah, it's when night. it's when uh, Westbrook was in town. Okay, mm -hmm. so anytime you get to see two of the best point guards in the league go head head to head, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, Wall is a special player. Russell Westbrook is a special player. But I'm very happy with the Wizards. They're doing a good job. Um, I think the reason they're so strong and doing better than, you know, maybe the last few years is because of Wall and Beal. Even though I hate to admit it, guards are very, very important in this game. <laughs> um, they're especially very important in the, in the NBA game. It seems like in college, a really good big guy mm -hmm. will get you over the hump more than anything. But in the NBA, it seems like a really good guard will get you over the hump. Um, especially as the game is progressing, you know. There's not many four men now who are just all post-in-the-lane players. Everyone's a stretch four or something like that. So the game's getting more skilled. When it gets more skilled, it seems like the guards come along a little better than the bigs. So it's always been a guard league, I think, in my mind, and it's trending that way more and more. And the Wizards are a perfect example of that. I mean, Wall and Beal are just hard to contain on the offensive end. When they play defense... They're really good. When John Wall and Bradley Beal play defense, I think they're really good. Have you, it's, just, it's just getting them to play that defense every night. Yep, mm -hmm. very fair. That's true. Have you, their, their offense is going to be there every night. Mm -hmm. Yep. Have you enjoyed kind of watching that that progression? I mean, obviously, as a big, it's the the emphasis on the game for bigs now is has changed. A lot of stretch but force. Yeah, lots of lots of like you said, a lot more skill. Um, beyond outside the paint have you as as a fan of the game and just and just you know somebody who's been around the game for so long and so intensely do you kind of have you enjoyed that development of the game and you know do you think it makes it more fun to watch or just different i don't like that the coaches seem to let the guards you know control the game and that the coaches don't force the guards to get the ball into the big men a little bit <laughs> because I was a big man and, and, and I wanted the ball a little bit too. <laughs> and sometimes the coach had to say, hey, throw the ball to Christian. And the coach yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't have to say that. Um, but even Coach K had to say it to me, to our team in college, like, you guards <laughs> give up the ball. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... I like the way the game's progressing because I like seeing all the skill, and it's really fun seeing, you know, Dirk was one of the first, but there's yeah. a lot of guys now that are doing stuff like that. So is yeah. it fun to see that? Yes. You know, Larry Bird was one of the first in the mid-'80s, and 
And geez, I try to be a, a big guy that could do things out on the perimeter too. So it's fun to see it. But at the same time, you wish sometimes that the coaches would just jump up and down and say, get the ball inside sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just because the defense will collapse and everyone will fall, collapse on you, and then, then you can kick it back out. So it, it's tough. Um, is the great, is the game great? Yes. Have they made it more open, more fast-paced? Are there more triple-doubles? Yes. And that's because there's less holding, grabbing, grabbing wrestling on the defensive end, um, and more of an open game. So it's fun to watch, yes. So I noticed during alumni night you had a classic throwback sweatshirt on. How much swag do you still have at home from back in the day? How many, like, jersey shorts? I have shoes? so much swag that's, like, 15, 20 years old. It's, <laughs> it's disgusting, and it, it's like a badge of honor for me. Um, Are they hanging up or just in the closet? No, the they're box? folded up in the closet. But <laughs> it, it, people don't understand it's a badge of honor. If you can wear the same clothes for 20 years, I think there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing there you wrong go. It means that. you haven't gotten fat. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's very as much. easy to yeah. get fat. <laughs> so it's a badge of honor that I can still wear the same jeans and the same sweatshirt that I got from the Wizards, you know, 12 years ago. And I still got Timberwolves stuff from 92. And awesome. So it's a, it's a badge of honor because... Um, I gotta work hard to stay skinny and to not <laughs> to not get fat. So are you I'm, gonna I'm hand proud. that stuff down or put I'm, on I'm eBay? proud that I can still wear the same stuff from 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, shout out Rob Suller. <laughs> Rob Suller, yeah. yeah, equipment, right. equipment. Do you remember Rob Suller, of Jerry Walter? Of course, I remember Good morning, all. good morning, Bo. He I remember him all. No I, took a picture, I took a picture with him when I was <laughs> awesome. here three weeks ago. Awesome, That's excellent. Awesome. Are you going to put that stuff on eBay or just hand it down to your children to hold on to? I still wear it. I'm going to hand it down to him when he gets older um, if it doesn't fall apart by then. Do you have any <laughs> pictures up from your playing days? Other memorabilia that um, you cherish? You know, no. There, there's stuff in boxes or in the garage, and then there might be one picture of like the Kentucky shot in the house. But besides that... How many times do production companies or film companies ask you to like recreate your shot in the backyard for like a State Farm commercial or something? Not very often. <laughs> no, um, but I am going to the Final Four this year with Capital One or something. Hey, and there we go. Capital and One. I, and right. I just How heard Capital that? One at like the Fan Fest or Bracketology. They're gonna, you know, try to get me to recreate the <laughs> shot. So all right. Nice. So every yeah. once in a while. You're a big Smashing Pumpkins guy. <laughs> you had a private concert. How'd you know this? Ah, how did you arrange a private concert with Smashing Pumpkins? Well, for my 30th birthday, um, his mother called, you know, like Billy Corrigan's handler or lawyer mm -hmm. and said, Christian loves, you know, loves the pumpkins. Can he get it, you know, see? And the lawyer said, sure, Billy's playing in like two weeks up here in Chicago. So we all flew up there, and I went in the studio, and um, the first time, it was just for like maybe two hours, and he was singing songs. He was like doing voiceovers for some songs. So that one was okay. But then like a year or two later, I was in town to play the Bulls. I don't remember what team I was on. Maybe the Atlanta Hawks. Mm -hmm. So the Hawks are in town to play the Bulls. And I call the lawyer, and I'm like, hey, I'm in town. And she's like, oh, my God, come over, because Billy's, like, 
in the studio rehearsing for concerts. Wow. So I ran over there, and it was me in the studio with the band and a few of my buddies from Duke, and they put on a 20-song concert for us. Awesome. That they, that they played three That's days awesome. later at the Metro down in Chicago. Yeah. And I do love them. What I love about them is that um, I like the supersonic distortion. I'm mm-hmm. really into heavy metal and, and heavy rock and roll. And my son and I can play oh, really? lots of songs that you would not believe. He's only, wow. he's only 11, and we can play lots of pumpkin songs on the guitar. <laughs> nice. And it's a lot of Passing fun. Passing the pumpkins down. Yes. And um, they're just... They're my favorite band. Is there ever. a band so you thanks, like now? Thanks about ask, Thanks for asking yeah. about them. You know, as I get older, I'm respecting Green Day more and more. Oh because wow, they were just here yeah, not too long. They've ago. been around as long as the Pumpkins, and they're still kind of having hits. Yeah. You know, the Pumpkins and Billy Corgan. I hate to say it, they haven't had a huge hit in you know mm-hmm. a few years, but like Green Day is still kind of doing it. So I'm impressed with Green Day. And I'm just waiting for Billy to get out there on tour so I can see him again. I've probably seen him about 12 times in concert. And, you and like I, Foo Fighters? I love it. No. No? So one time I was in... <laughs> one time I was in... 1996, I'm in Minnesota going to the Pumpkins concert. And I walk backstage because, you know, I used to play in the arena. So I know all the security guards, and they let me backstage, and I'm walking like to my seat, and I look in the room, like my old locker room, and Billy's in there singing. And I wave to him, he waves to me. And then he goes out and does half of the show. Now this is in the Timberwolves. Target Center? This is in the Target Center. Mm-hmm. Like maybe two years after I got traded. So halfway through the show, Billy and the band goes go, they take a break, they come back on the stage, and he says, Hey, Minnesota, great to be here. And the crowd goes, <laughs> And he's like, we love Minnesota. Thanks for having us. The crowd I think you guys need to get Leitner back here. And <laughs> I think you need to get Leitner back here and start all over again. the crowd goes, ah, boom! <laughs> 20,000 people. Oh, man. And my ex-wife's sitting there, you know, his mother... And she's like hitting me. He's talking about you. He's talking about you. And then he says, bring Leitner back and start all over again. And the crowd boos. And it was freaking awesome. And then he goes on to play the heaviest XYU, the song you love. The heaviest pumpkin song that's out there. That's really cool. And then when I saw him a year later, I saw him in Chicago a year later during the playoffs. And I came up to him and I said, Remember when you said that in Minnesota? He goes, yeah. And, and I said, wasn't that hilarious when the crowd booed me? And he goes, don't worry about it. They booed Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> so I, he said that he played, they played in Edmonton one time, you know, right when Gretzky yeah, went yeah. to the Kings. <laughs> the Kings. Yeah. And he did the oh, same no. thing. They even booed <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. So wow. I didn't feel so, so bad. Go. That's you pretty good company. So yeah, that's great so company. Awesome. Um, so you're, you have the Christian Leitner Basketball Academy. When did you decide at some point... I'm getting back into basketball. Coach K is retiring. You could like start to coach Duke some. Well, that's what happened. He was born in 06, and I didn't do anything on the court until 2010. And in 2010, I went and worked in the D League for three months. Mm -hmm. And boy, when I was there, you know, working with kids who were trying to develop, I said, man, I got to get back on the court. Something's really been missing in my life. A lot was added to my life when he was born. But I, I wasn't on the court for four years, so 
I just came home from the D-League experience, and I said I got to start my own academy because I have to get on the court. I have to start training. I have to training kids. I have to share with them some of the things I learned from Coach K, some of the things I learned in the NBA. But most importantly, I love working with young kids because I love yelling at them, stop dribbling the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Because my dad was a coach, and he coached me from second grade to eighth grade. And I swear to God, the only reason I'm a good basketball player is not because I'm 6'11". It's because my dad taught me at a very young age not to dribble the ball as soon as it hits your hands. That's my favorite thing to teach. Wow. My son's not a great basketball player right now at 11. <laughs> but what he, he's good. But what he does is he doesn't dribble it right away. And mm-hmm. He looks to pass, and I love that. And that's what I love yelling at the kids. I have, I'll have six summer camps this summer, mm-hmm. and I'll yell, and I'll, <laughs> and some of the parents complain, and oh my, they they go to the coach who brought me in, and they're like, Christian Leitner's in there yelling at my kids. Well, <laughs> it, I didn't become a good basketball player by not being yelled at. Mm-hmm. I became a good basketball player by being yelled at a million times in my life. Mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett, Kobe Bryant, every player you ever talked to, they were good because they were yelled at. Mm -hmm. And my my father and a lot of my coaches yelled at me, don't dribble, look to pass first. And I didn't know that it was the gospel when I was third grade to senior in high school. I didn't know that. Mm Mm-hmm. I didn't know that my dad was a genius, a basketball <laughs> genius, until I got to Duke in my first practice with Coach K. He blew the whistle, and he said, everyone here, here, stop dribbling. Catch the ball and don't dribble right away. Look to pass first. And I said, that's what my dad taught me when I was wow. in third grade. So that's why I'm on the court. That's why I have my basketball academy, because I love trying to teach kids to play the game without dribbling so much. So many kids today, as soon as, if they get a rebound, the first thing they do is dribble. If they get a steal, the first thing they do is dribble. If they catch the ball, the first thing they do is dribble, and that's the worst habit you can have on the court. Can you tell people how they can possibly find your academy and and, and join a summer camp? They can go to my website, which is www.theclba.com, so T-H-E-C-L-B-A.com, and there's nothing up there now because I don't have all my camps up there so people can register. So they're just going to have to be patient. My secretary just had a baby. Oh, wow. So we're about, Congratulations, three, we're about, three, we're about three weeks out, but eventually I'll, I'll have all six of my camps up there that people can, uh, can register. And I'll have a camp in Jacksonville, Florida, where we live in Buffalo, New York, where I live, where I grew up. And then the other four will be in Minnesota and Wisconsin, so I can go musky okay. fishing. Musky fishing. See, you awesome. musky fishing. <laughs> no, no, no. Are you he are you a question. keeper? Are you? A, do you keep the musky? Do you? No, you don't keep. Always the musky. put them back. Okay. You always put them back because it's so sporty to catch them. Right. You don't ever eat them. You don't ever kill them. You put them back so someone else can catch them. Love okay. it. Okay. All right. All right. Any, any last plugs for uh, social media handles? You need to get out there. Something, <laughs> yeah. something we okay, can help. If you out need with. to follow me on Twitter, it's <laughs> at Leitner B Ball. Okay. My Facebook stuff is Christian Leitner Basketball Academy. Okay. And besides cool. all that, no more. Okay. Well, we really, really appreciate you joining us on the Off the Bench podcast. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Um, and uh, gosh, we covered so much. I feel like we went through all the Christians. Story yeah. and we've been yeah. gone for almost fifty minutes. There's like yeah. more I want to get into about 
well, Buffalo thanks a lot. and Angola, we, New York. We can and do this from Jacksonville if you guys can do it over the phone. Yeah, I'm willing go. to do it. But anytime I'm up, I'm up here, let's do it. Okay. okay. Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Let's go watch some basketball, Jim. Okay. Yes, yeah, it is. March Madness. Thanks, Kids. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. For Chris Gehring and Jeremy Hyman, I'm Jamoke Davis. Ciao for now.